You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the co-editor of Dunking With Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the fan-sided network. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Today, we have a pretty full show. I want to hit a couple of notes here off the top. Of course, some quick notes for Monday night's play-in games, which were a lot less exciting than Sunday's games, but I want to talk about what happened there. Um, And then a couple of of Wolves-related notes here off the top before we get into Malik Beasley's season. Now that uh, I'm into the the players who played the most minutes for the Wolves, Beasley was uh, sixth uh, sixth on the team in minutes played this season. Um, I'm going to spend likely... uh, the majority of the episode talking about each of these individual players, because I think there's a lot to break down um, for each of their games. So I want to talk about Malik Beasley's season in context to what he did last year, uh, both with Denver and the Wolves, as well as his future with the team. And then also dig into some of the B-ball index numbers, some of the peripheral numbers um, to, to give us a better sense for what Beasley's strengths and weaknesses were this season and what we can expect from him next year. So that'll be the show today. Um, before we get to everything though, a quick reminder, as always, you can follow this show anywhere you listen to podcasts that of course, includes Apple, Google, Spotify, and the all-new Odyssey app. Apparently, we're having some issues again recently um, with syncing of new episodes on Apple. So if you're not seeing um, the most recent episodes, and again, this is a Monday through Friday daily show, so there should be an episode from Monday the 24th. Today's episode is the 25th. Um, If you're not seeing the daily episodes there, please go to Odyssey. Again, A-U-D-A-C-Y. That's the all-new Odyssey app. They are fantastic. You can listen to all your podcasts there. Um, you can also follow the show on Twitter at Locked On T Wolves. That's Locked On T Wolves. Don't forget the T and at B Beacon. That's B Beacon, two B's, two E's, C K E N. Okay, um, let's hit play in game notes really quick because I, I don't really have much to say for Monday's games. Um, the The first game of the night was Miami Milwaukee. That was a wire to wire Milwaukee Bucks blowout win. They dropped 46 in the first quarter led the entire way, won every quarter still, and ended up winning this thing by, uh, what, 34 points, 132 to 98. Um, Never close. Nobody on the Heat played more than 32 minutes because this thing was over well before the fourth quarter. Giannis had 31, 13, and 6 with three steals. And uh, Chris Middleton had 17 for the Bucks Off the bench, um, Brian Forbes Forbes had uh, 22 points off the bench. Pat Connaughton had 15. And uh, for the Heat, nobody, I mean, Jimmy Butler only had 10 points on 10 shots in 32 minutes. Dwayne Dedman had 19 and nine off the bench in 21 minutes. Goran Dragic had 18 off the bench. Um, This was never a game. And now the Bucks are up 2-0 with the series moving to Miami. So uh, obviously desperation time for the Heat. They they absolutely, it goes without saying, they have to win game three um, or, or they're completely toast, but a disappointing game in terms of entertainment value. Portland and Denver was at least a little bit more fun. Um, this was almost a wire to wire win Portland or excuse me, Denver took a lead with, uh, about two minutes into the game and, and didn't trail the rest of the way. Um, they also won every quarter in the game and just kind of progressively pulled away by more and more ended up winning by 19. Um, Denver got another great game from Nikola Jokic. He was able to distribute a bit more after only having one assist in game one. He had five in this game, 38 points, eight rebounds. 
a ultra efficient 15 of 20 shooting for Jokic, and he only attempted six free throws in this game. So he did a lot of damage in the painted area, but without drawing a ton of fouls. Um, Michael Porter Jr. had 18 points as well. Uh, Paul Millsap, 15 points in just 15 minutes, along with seven rebounds off the bench. For the Blazers, uh, Damian Lillard was, uh, I mean, he did what he could, right? 42 points, 10 assists, 11 of 24 shooting. He made nine threes on 16 attempts and got to the line 13 times. And uh, he was one of only three Blazers in double figures. CJ McCollum had 21 points on just 12 shots. But uh, this was pretty much all Denver. And they even the series. Now it goes back to Portland and uh, the series is 1-1. So that that series is, a, is actually a lot of fun. This game wasn't close down the stretch, but it's a fun series to keep to keep tabs on. Um, so looking forward to watching game three and that one um, here later this week. Tuesday's games, uh, we've got a, a triple header, uh, although I guess the, the final two games overlap. Boston and Brooklyn game twos at 630 on TNT, then the Lakers and Phoenix game two. And then at 930, so 30 minutes after the tip for Lakers-Phoenix is uh, Mavs and Clippers. That game is on NBA TV. So we'll talk about all those on Wednesday. Um, a quick Wolves note here. Well, two. One, John Krasinski at The Athletic has a great article out about five challenges and questions about the Wolves entering the summer. I've covered a couple of them here on the show, but it's a great read if you have an athletic subscription. There's one about Chris Finch's coaching staff. Obviously, as mentioned last week, David Vanterpool and Brian Gates are both moving on. So there's a couple of open spots. Uh, they talk. He talks a little bit about the four spot, um, which, which I've discussed here, the possibility of losing the draft pick, which obviously we've talked about. And then Malik Beasley role moving forward, which is topical for what I'm going to talk about today and, and how Beasley fits with, um, you know, uh, I mean, frankly, another high usage too in Anthony Edwards, as well as Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, you know, how is this ball going to get shared? Is Edwards going to play the three? Who comes off the bench? Is it, you know, obviously D'Angelo Russell, it seems obvious he'll be a starter moving forward. Is it Edwards is as well. So does Edwards play the three? Does Beasley come off the bench? Um, Some interesting questions there that John attempts to answer in this article. So that's a good piece if you have a a few minutes to go over there and read that um, over at The Athletic. One final Timberwolves note, Leandro Bomero, who is uh, easily forgotten, I guess, at this point because he, he played overseas all season, but he was, what was he, the 21st pick, I think, uh, 20th pick of the first round last year. And um, he had a great year in, in Europe. And, and again, easy to forget because his actual, he didn't play a ton of minutes. I mean, for uh, it, when he got to EuroLeague with FC Barcelona, he only played a little under nine minutes a game. And so the per game stats are not, they're not eye-popping. 2.8 points, 1.2 assists, one rebound per game. However, Remember, I mean, even Ricky Rubio, who was a, a the number six pick in the draft and was a Olympic star and a, a phenom, barely averaged twenty minutes a game in the Euroleague uh, way back before he came over to Minnesota in uh, you know I don't know more than a decade ago now. Um, that's just kind of the way that minutes are allocated over there, and even the best players don't always play the most minutes. It's a lot more of an even minutes distribution. However, he, uh, Bomero just won the most outstanding player or most spectacular player, I guess, is maybe the the more accurate translation in EuroLeague. And basically what that means is flashiest. It doesn't necessarily mean the best player. He only played nine minutes a game, but one of the more intriguing players in the league. He he also notably uh, shot 42% from three. Now he only attempted 19 threes, but piggyback that with his performance um, earlier this year in the, in the uh, other league that he played in. And I think it's, 
I don't know how to say the full thing, the Liga ACB, um, also where he played for FC Barcelona. He shot 45% from three there. Um, Both numbers that were encouraging because he didn't shoot a ton of threes prior to that as a pro. And so combined, uh, that works out to between, between the two different teams he played for this season, he was 32 of 72, which is 44.4%. So 44% on, on 72 three-point attempts. Again, still a small sample size, but encouraging when there was a lot of question about his long-range shooting ability and consistency heading into the season. And if you watch highlights from his season, to me, the most encouraging thing is his, what appears to be some improvement on defense, or at least at least you can see why the Timberwolves think he can be an adequate NBA defender. He does have some strength issues still, which obviously he can work on. He's a decent athlete, but has some athletic limitations. Remember, he's still 20. He's 20 years old. Um, but his ability to you know, stick to ball handlers, fight through screens, recover, um, play hard, and just gen- generally be um, an aggressive defender those are things that Timberwolves need. I mean, I mean, I've said this, I just said this talking about D'Angelo Russell on Monday's show is if the Wolves just have guys who try on defense and it could be adequate defenders and have a couple of outstanding defenders, whether that's Jade McDaniels, Josh Okogie, maybe Jared Vanderbilt. I mean, then you move from a bottom five defensive team to at least middle of the pack, if not greater than that. And then it's about finding the team concept. They're going to have a new defensive coordinator next year with David Vanterpool reportedly moving on. Um, so, Bolmero can, if he can play adequate NBA defense, he's not going to be a stopper by any means, but if he can compete defensively, be a pest and, and, and work hard, um, he's going to, his offensive game should play at the NBA level. And remember he's 20 years old. Um, and Gerson Rosas, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, said in an interview recently that, that he feels like Bolmero will be coming stateside next year. He didn't, he didn't, uh, you know, name him by name, but he said that they drafted a player who is who isn't over here yet that will be here next year. They expect to be here next year, and that's obviously Bolmero. Um, again, twenty years old. I, I said earlier he was twentieth or twenty first pick. He was the twenty third pick of the draft, but the Wolves acquiring him on draft night. Um, clearly, they think he's got a shot to be on the team next year. So we have to consider that when we talk about the future of some of these other players. That Bolmero will almost certainly have a roster spot next season. Okay, next I want to get into Malik Beasley. I want to spend the rest of the show talking about Malik's season and what his role could be moving forward for the Timberwolves. First, though, let's talk about Lucy. Lucy Nicotine is a company founded by Caltech scientists and former smokers looking for a better and cleaner nicotine alternative. Finally, tobacco alternatives that don't suck. Researched and developed for three years to be made for people, not patients, Lucy has created a nicotine gum with four milligrams of nicotine that comes in three flavors, wintergreen cinnamon and pomegranate. Lucy also has a lozenge, with four milligrams of nicotine that comes in three flavors, cherry ice, citrus, and mint. Lucy lozenges and gums are FSA and HSA eligible, so you can use your FSA cards to purchase Lucy now. It's convenient and discreet. Products can be enjoyed anywhere, on flights, at work, on the go, or even in the gym. It's 2021. Get rid of your cigarettes, unplug your vape, throw out your dip, and get some Lucy nicotine gum or lozenges. This is the real deal. A subscription to Lucy comes directly to your door each month. It's so simple, and you don't have to leave your house because Lucy has delivery down. Lucy lozenges and gums are also FSA and HSA eligible, so you can spend pre-tax dollars on them. Locked on NBA network listeners, go to lucy.co and use promo code locked on NBA to get 20% off all products in your first order, including gum or lozenges. That's lucy.co and use promo code locked on NBA at checkout. Also, I have to give this disclaimer warning. This product contains nicotine derived from tobacco. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Lucy.co and be sure to use that promo code locked on NBA. 
Let's also talk about the title sponsor from today's show, and that, of course, is rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person at the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand that their warehouse happens to carry? You have a computer with access to rockauto.com both at home and in your pocket. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices that you prefer. And best of all, the prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low, and they're the exact same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the exact same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, right locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com okay let's roll right into talking about Malik Beasley's season his outlook moving forward this is the player review and player grade series also assign a letter grade here at the end Um, but we've already talked through more than half the roster and uh, now we're on to the the six players who saw the most total minutes this year this isn't minutes per game so um, like for instance haven't gotten a Nas Reed yet because he was a starter for a good chunk of the year and he was healthy for basically the whole season so um but Malik Beasley, anyway, because of his injury suspension, he's number sixth in minutes played despite playing in, in uh, 37 games this year, which was what uh, almost, I guess, slightly more one game more than half of the season in this uh, in this shortened year. So I want to talk about his year as a whole, then get into his B-ball index numbers, some of the more um, intriguing things that we can pull from this year. Uh, so remember, last offseason, Malik Beasley was a restricted free agent. There was um, when the offseason started, there was not a legal situation hanging over his head. And there was a question is, could he get 12 million, 13 million, et cetera, in the open market? As it turned out, even with his his arrest um, in September, and he was charged with, uh, I forget what the exact charge was, but basically threats of violence. There was a drug possession charge that was dropped, but he had threatened um, a, a car with a family that pulled up outside his home and was, was uh, actually charged with the crime and ended up um, he will now be serving, uh, he's on some level of probation and he'll end up serving 120 days in the workhouse or house arrest this summer, but he was suspended by the league for 12 games. Now we didn't know what the penalty from the league would be. And we just knew there was a pending legal situation when he did resign, but the Wolves ended up keeping him at an average annual value of 15 million. And it's, that's, that's the average number over four years. It is a three-year deal with a team option for year four. So after this season, we know that Beasley has two years left on the deal and then a team option, depending on how he performs over the next couple of years. And the dollars on the deal increase with each year. Um, So at the time when he signed it, it seemed a little bit rich. Based on how he played this season prior to the suspension and then ultimately the hamstring injury that kept him out for the rest of the season, um, Beasley was fantastic offensively. And the $15 million dollars, on average, again, per year, he was paid less than that this year. And I guess even less than that because of the suspension. Um, It didn't seem crazy based on his play when he was healthy early in the season. And remember, he played a lot of those minutes without Carl Anthony Towns. He played a lot of those minutes without D'Angelo Russell. And the Wolves had just kind of this weird rotation early in the season. And Beasley obviously played heavy minutes and he was the best, most 
the best player who is most consistently available for the Wolves. I mean, he didn't miss any games until his suspension. He only played two games for Chris Finch before he was suspended. And then he played in four after the suspension before the hamstring injury and was not himself at all. Um, he had one good game of those four, but in the other three, he combined to shoot what uh, he was like nine of 43, I think over those other three games prior to, to sitting out with the, with the hamstring injury, obviously that was an issue or conditioning, at least when he came back from the suspension in the two Chris Finch games that he played prior to the suspension, though, he averaged 25 and a half points per game. He was, uh, he shot 11 of 22 on threes, 50% on threes, 52.8% from the floor. Um, and I mean, was apparently rejuvenated after a few inefficient games towards the end of Ryan Saunders tenure, but early in the season, he was great. Um, and, and again, pre-injury he was, or pre-suspension, I should say he was, he was fantastic. Um, in terms of his numbers compared to his career, Beasley averaged career highs in virtually every single per game category, which isn't a surprise because he played a lot more than he ever has in his career. But I mean, points, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, all of it. Um, he averaged more of those things per game than he did previously. Shooting percentages were also kind of rivaled where he'd been. I mean, his his best season statistically in terms of shooting it was the 18-19 season when he was a rotation player, primarily a bench guy for that Nuggets team. 23 minutes a game, he shot 47% from the field, 40% from three. This year, he was 44% from the field, 39.9% from three. So take out that, that awful four game stretch after returning from the suspension and he would have had a career best in terms of three point shooting. Um, that was, that was what brought him down just a tick below 40%, but the volume was obviously way up 8.7, three point attempts per game, which was even more. It was a half attempt more per game than he averaged in the 14 games post trade last season with the wolves. Um, and you know, all those, all those numbers look really good uh, over uh, across a full season. His free throw rate was also ticked upwards from last year, at least. It was a little below where, where it was earlier in his career when he didn't play as many minutes. But free throw rate was was solid. Um, again, rebounds per game and rebound rate were up. Assist rate was up. Um, so it's not just the per game numbers. It's also some of the rate-based numbers, which obviously account for the increase in, in, uh, in playing time. Um, so no matter how you slice it, the offensive part of the game was fantastic for Beasley. And I, again, I want to dive into the play type numbers, some of the B-ball index numbers here in just a moment. Um, first, let's talk about his defense. I've talked about this on the show before. Defensively, Malik Beasley's never been a good defender at the NBA level. Um, he's a little undersized to, to defend a lot of twos and certainly some threes in this league. Um, and so he's a little bit limited in terms of that. But he's a good athlete. He's got solid length. And so you would expect him to at least be adequate defensively. He said a lot coming into the season. He There was kind of this thing where he'd yell at Ryan Saunders and say, hey, all defense, I'm going to make all defense. And that was kind of his deal was he was going to commit himself defensively. We saw that to some extent this year. Um, the met, the advanced metrics suggest that he was still a far below average defender um, to the point where it actually makes him a negative player because um, because. The, the, the poor defense outweighed the, the great offense. I, I saw improvements. Um, the problem was he still has these games and, and I guess more accurately, these stretches in games where he's just not, just not with it defensively. And when he locks in, he's extremely intense. I mean, I mean the, the locked in version of Malik Beasley defensively is, 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 is more intense than what we ever saw from Andrew Wiggins, right? I mean, he gets into a stance, he's ready to go. He's sometimes maybe a little too aggressive, jumping passing lanes, et cetera. But when he's not locked in, it's 
far too easy to just blow past him. He doesn't fight through screens. It, it, in that sense, it's similar to D'Angelo Russell. There's no effort to get through screens, to fight through traffic, to stick with his man. When he tries defensively, he can be okay. And again, he's got the tools, the quickness, the lateral quickness, the length to at least be an adequate defender. We just didn't see that consistently again this year. There were positive strides. I didn't see as many positive strides as we saw with D'Angelo Russell, but for both of them, it goes back to effort. And that goes back to them as as players. And do they want it? How bad do they want to be a winning team? And then also the coaching staff. And, and clearly David Vanterpool got them to lock in a little bit more this year than the latter part of the previous season. But Vanterpool won't be there anymore. So can Chris Finch and whoever the defensive coordinator is in 2021, 2022, convince their best players to truly lock in and play great defense? Um, Beasley can be a good defender. And that's going to be, I mean, Beasley and Russell are maybe that's if I had to say the the biggest difference between this being a around 500 team and a true playoff team is can they get their best players to consistently lock in defensively? I'm less worried about Carl Anthony Towns right now, but Malik Beasley is somebody we have to keep an eye on um, and also Anthony Edwards. But Beasley at this stage going into his age 25 season along with Russell in a similar place in his career, those guys have to get it defensively. They have to understand what the expectation is for, for them to, uh, to contribute on the defensive end of the floor. Okay. I want to get into the B-Ball Index numbers next, and I think there's a lot of interesting stuff when it comes to Malik Beasley, and it's not really that surprising, maybe confirmation bias a little bit, but but still, I think it's good to dive into those numbers. Quickly, before we do that, though, let's talk about our great friends at betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing. You can track all the action at BetOnline. You can also get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, as well as, of course, the NBA, NHL, which is in the playoffs now, and all your UFC and MMA action. Before the next pitch, head to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device. Check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs, and uh, I guess in the NHL and NBA, Um, They are in the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code locked on. Again, that's promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Okay, I want to close the show today by talking about some of the B-Ball Index numbers for Malik Beasley. Um, Again, B-Ball Index, it's bball-index.com. It is uh, a fantastic service that uh, has compiles plenty of different advanced metrics as well as some proprietary metrics um, and some great play type numbers, in my opinion, more comprehensive and easier to to access individual player information than, than stats.nba.com, which of course the NBA site's great. Um, and, and it's great for seeing teams as a whole, et cetera. But in terms of individual player profiles, B-Ball index is the best. It's only like five bucks a month. Um, so check it out if you haven't already, but, uh, Lots of good data here on Malik Beasley. Again, some confirmation bias here. None of it's all that surprising. Like, for instance, you look at his perimeter shooting. We already know he's a great shooter. 85th percentile in terms of overall three-point shooting. Beasley is 80th percentile when it comes to to pull-up three-pointers. He uh, shoots 38.1% on, on pull-ups, which is obviously good. It's a it's a B-plus in terms of the percentile being at 80. But um, he's far better in catch-and-shoot situations, which I could have told you without looking at the numbers. 41.3% in catch-and-shoot situations. That's an 82nd percentile and an A-minus. Corner three-pointers, 47.8% on corner threes this year, according to B-Ball Index. That's 84th percentile and is an A-minus grade league-wide. You look at his three-point gravity, which essentially is... Um, 
is how the defense is forced to play Beasley because of his ability um, from outside the arc. So uh, total three-point gravity estimates, this is according to B-Ball Index, estimates the attention a player may draw from the defense due to their accuracy and volume of shooting. So does he shoot a ton of threes? Yes. Does he make them? Yes. Um, his grade was a 3.22. So for context, that's 85th percentile. It's an A minus his total gravity per 75 possessions, which normalizes it a bit more 96th percentile league wide. That's an A of course, um, perimeter shooting as a whole, his impact is in 95th percentile. So the shooting stuff is, is all there. We knew that, um, off ball movement, very good in terms of attack rate movement points per 75 possessions, which is which is uh, the points from off-screen and cut scoring chances per 75 possessions. That's an A minus, and he's 81st percentile there. Um, so really good off-screens, off-screen possessions per 75 possessions, 97th percentile. Very good in catch-and-shoot situations. Um, so coming off of pin downs, um, drag screens, whatever it is, double drag screens, um, getting open on the perimeter is something Beasley's, the Wolves did a good job at scheming him open, and Beasley's deadly when he gets open. The playmaking is mostly season C pluses. We know that. We know that he's not a big playmaker. Um, rebounding is all is basically B's and C's, uh, mostly C's. Uh, not a great rebounder, but he has his moments. And again, he's athletic enough to be solid. We know the defensive numbers aren't good. We'll get into the overall advanced metrics here in a moment. But I want to talk about play types. Um, in terms of overall play types, Malik Beasley, there were two things I said coming into the season we knew that he was really good for and that the Wolves would be paying for if they if they did pay him a restricted free agency. And, and I, I talked a lot about him right after, uh, you may remember, this is about a year ago now, John Hollinger talked about not thinking Beasley was a top-tier free agent. And, and of course, Hollinger of the fantastic Hollinger and Duncan show right here on this, on this network and also a writer at, at The Athletic. But Hollinger talked about Beasley being undersized and not a good enough defender and also can't create his own shot or for others and therefore wouldn't be a starting caliber player. He thought of him more as a sixth, seventh man type. Well, I disagreed at the time. I thought that he was good enough, dynamic enough in transition and, and off the catch that he could be a starter. This year, he was 84th percentile in transition points per possession. That's 1.27 points per possession. That's an A minus league wide spot up opportunities, 1.3 points per possession. That's 98th percentile in points per possession and spot up opportunities. Of course, that's an A league wide. Um, so he was fantastic in those two scenarios, which is exactly what I said coming into the season was he would be one of the league's better transition threats combined with being a great spot up shooter. He's good enough as a pull up shooter that in transition, you have to respect his ability to pull up and shoot the three, but he's so athletic and dynamic that when he gets ahead of steam downhill, it doesn't matter that he doesn't have, you know, that he's not massive, right? He doesn't have Anthony Edwards size to him, um, but he's athletic enough that he can finish in transition and he's very fast. Um, and those things matter. And he was fantastic in those situations. His overall uh, points per possession as a player were great. 80, 82 percent points uh, percentile in terms of points per possession. Um, his effective field goal percentage, true shooting percentage, all that stuff was great. The problem, again, goes back to defense. You look at all the advanced metrics, which are compiled here, compiled at B-Ball Index, and the offensive numbers are great. So the LeBron statistic, which is a B-Ball Index um, proprietary metric, has him as a B, grades out as a B. Um, real plus minus offensively, he's an A minus. Raptor, which is uh, the the 538 statistic, has him as a B plus offensively. Um, box plus minus has him as an A minus. That's a, that's a basketball reference statistic. But defensively, we're looking at Fs. Uh, there's a C in there, a couple of Fs, a D, um, actually three Fs. So mostly Fs with a C and a D mixed in in terms of his defensive impact. Again, these are individual metrics that there's some noise involved, but 
you, you, if you look at all of them together in terms of these different player impact metrics, you, you get a picture painted pretty easily. And, and clearly there's some shortcomings from Malik Beasley defensively that continues to be an issue. But as I said, last segment, if he continues to improve defensively and be an adequate defender and, and give effort, be able to guard the other team's, you know, third best wing slash guard, uh, at a at a decent level on a nightly basis, and the Wolves can surround players like Beasley, Edwards, and Russell with plus defenders like uh, Jade McDaniel's, Josh Akogi, and and you know hopefully some new acquisitions if they bring in a Leandro Balmero who's going to compete defensively and disrupt things, even if he's not going to be a lockdown one on one defender. Then Beasley's offensive game is so is so potent that uh, you can live with that. Certainly. Now his role for next year is a little bit in question. There's certainly a chance he gets traded. You could argue he's got the best trade value on the team of anyone not named Carl Anthony Towns or Anthony Edwards because of his uh, relatively affordable contract, the team option here in, in a couple of seasons, and also his his clear impact when on the court. There are some question marks about the off-court stuff. Um, it, it appears as though as long as everything goes as it should this summer and he's he keeps, his, he keeps himself out of trouble, Hopefully that's that's behind Malik Beasley and he and and that's over with um, and the suspension's done and, and the hamstring hopefully gets healed and all that stuff. Um, I, I think it's very likely he's on the team next year simply because I don't think his trade value is as high as it could be um, in a year, for instance. And it's not like the Wolves have an embarrassment of riches yet. I think the more likely scenario is he plays, he starts or comes off the bench as a sixth man. Chris Finch wants to coach him. I mean, he had him briefly in Denver a couple of years ago, a few years ago. Um, so I think Beasley's on this team next year. And I think there's a decent chance it's next summer he gets traded um, when the Wolves, you know, there's a could be a loaded free agent class. Ricky Rubio will be an expiring deal. They'll have a little more cap space. And Beasley could be on the move next summer if he has a strong year. And if Anthony Edwards continues to show growth, if Balmero comes over, Beasley could be on the move in a year, but I, I think he's on the team this year, and I think he probably will end up in a six-man role when it's all said and done, um, but we'll see. I, I do think he's going to put up similar numbers. He'll get similar minutes as to what he saw this year, even if he does come off the bench. I think there's uh, a world in which he closes games, even if he doesn't start them, for sure. Um, so, at any rate, a good season overall for Malik Beasley. It's hard to give him a letter grade because because of the suspension. But when he was on the court, I give him a B plus. I think the defense still drug down his overall impact on the game, but he was so good offensively. I think B plus is a fair grade to give him, and uh, hopefully he gets he gets the opportunity to stay on the court next year. Hopefully he stays out of trouble and stays healthy, and we get to see what he looks like between Edwards and and D'Angelo Russell and with Carl Anthony Towns. I think having him on the perimeter with Towns in the post is in, in Chris Finch's offense is going to be extremely dynamic. I'm really looking forward to seeing it. Okay, that's all we have for you today here on the show. Thanks once again for listening to the Locked On Wolves podcast. Of course, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. The Locked On Podcast Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. As a reminder, today's show was brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them that Locked On sent you. Also a reminder, you can follow the show anywhere you listen to podcasts, including Apple, Google, Spotify, and of course, the all-new Odyssey app. You can also follow on Twitter at LockdownTWolves or at BBeacon. A reminder that this is a daily show. I'll be back tomorrow with another uh, with another episode of Lockdown Wolves. We'll look at all the NBA playoff action from Tuesday night. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked on Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time. Today on the Locked On Today podcast, the Milwaukee Bucks left nothing to question on Monday night. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today show on the Odyssey app or wherever you listen to podcasts.